Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. So this morning we're going to look at David's final words, it says. We're in 2 Samuel 23, 1-7. Takes a couple verses to get to actually his words. The first couple verses is really, or first uh, two verses, uh, kind of set the stage for uh, who we're talking about, right? So it says, the last, these are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of a man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me. When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of the morning at sunrise. On a cloudless morning. Like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made a covenant, an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron, or a shaft of a spear, and they are burned up where they lie. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this group. Lord, most of all, I thank you for your word. It reminds us how much you love us. Remind us, Lord, this morning that your grace is bigger than our sin. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. If you're if you're one of those, if you're Philip, you can run. Go, Phil. Warren, you can run too. Dan, would you like to run? Uh, sorry for your luck. It's good. Yes. Yeah, That's true. So we're on our last, well, uh, yeah, we're really on our last installment of David. and It's been kind of a summer, and uh, we've kind of gone through David's life, obviously. Uh, I think I looked, I think I saw, I searched David, the name David, in the Bible, and I think it came up like 770 times. So obviously, there's a lot of references to David in his life, um, all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, and we really just hit some of the highlights uh, and some of the lowlights of his life. And today we're in that spot where uh, we're, we're going to get to hear his last words. And I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about... Oh, wait, here's my, here's my shameless plug. I know a bunch of you guys have these at your house and you're all in trouble because I got your names and I'm taking you to the principal. We have a principal. Yes, we have a principal. 
I'll show you later. <laughs> if you have no clue what this is, this is a this is a what we call the legacy paper, and and it literally is you know um, what I want my family to know if I were uh, to die. And I know that sounds kind of hard and morbid, and I think some people really struggle with like how can I leave that message, right? And I will tell you this: um, of the ones I've gotten and I've I've had the privilege to use, they were uh, very special. Um, so if you have one of these and you haven't turned it in, I literally promise you, it's, I bought a cabinet to put them in and lock them. No one will ever see them or read them. They'll be in a file with your name on them. If you want one, I have some in my office. Jen will have some in the office as well. We can get those. Here's the thing. When we, we don't know when we'll breathe our last, right? And all of us want to get old, grow old, and begin uh, you know, to leave our legacy that way. But we never know when our last day will be. And for David, it just happened to be that he got old. And, and he's, he's on his deathbed. And it happens to be his last words. And so I'll ask you to think just for a minute, a minute what you might say, what you might leave, what might be the most important thing you tell those uh, who you're leaving behind. Right? There's, a, there's a great joke that says no one ever lays on their deathbed and says, I wish I would have worked more. Right? True statement. Right? We, we, we come to that spot uh, when we're young, we're, we're, we're kind of wired to work. And you know, I can remember being 20-something and like, I wonder how much overtime I can get. And I'd have as, half as much overtime as I had regular hours and just pound that, uh, pound that. Uh, hour after hour after hour. But as you get older, you, you begin to realize the futility of that idea. It's like I, I, I realized when my kids were growing up that I would work extra overtime and have extra money, and then I felt so guilty that we would spend that extra money to appease my guilt for working extra hours. So it ended up not any better, right? And my kids would have enjoyed my time with them more. All that being said, what, what do you want to leave your children and your grandchildren? And what are the most important parts of, of the life you have lived or will live? Right? And that's what we're going to look at today. David's uh, most important things that he, that he wants to leave. You know, and, and God, I don't know if you noticed, but God speaks to David and tells him what his last words will be. And it reminds me, there we go, oh, ah, too far. It reminds me that God's Word is, is alive and active. And, and I think all too often uh, we minimize that idea. We, we say, well, this is just a nice book, and um, it's a good history book, and it's got some cool proverbs in it, right? Little nuggets for our brains. And uh, there's some songs in here too. It's kind of got everything. There's some end time stuff. So like there's some futuristic stuff, and we just kind of read it like uh, like we have a, like a novel, and we forget that it's alive and active. And what what that means to me, and I hope it means to you, is this: I'll read a verse today, and it'll mean this, and it will really like this will be the focus. And I might read that verse again in a month or a year. And I read that verse again, and it's like, wow, where did that come from? I didn't see that last time. But boy, does that fit in my life, right? And, and so I know it sounds really simple, 
And I think it's almost, we, we think, well, it's got to be too simple. So I need six apps with six different devotions, and I need, you know, I need a reminder on my phone, and I need all this. I need someone to send me a verse and all that stuff. And we forget, that, like, literally, be consistent. Grab your Bible, read a verse. I encourage you. I am like, I've set the bar really low, like, like about this high, because I know I can get over that bar, right? If you set the bar really high, you aren't going to get over it. Read one verse a day and ask yourself this question. What is God trying to tell me? Nope, that was bad. Not still alive. By the way, I changed the batteries. I just want you guys all to know. I was responsible. Every once in a while I get there. Um, but I want you to read. I want you to, to study. I want you to just find one verse and ask yourself this question. What is God saying in my life? Right? David, David didn't have a Bible app on his phone. But somehow he had a connection with God. He made a point to call on God. And, and in those last moments, he realized that he needed to give something. He, you know, he had lived this life pretty famous life, right? A lot of ups and downs. We looked at, um, we looked way back when he was a shepherd boy, right? And he was just, his brothers were in the field and, and he, and we remember the Goliath story, right? He was, he was out and he's like, that guy isn't going to talk trash on us anymore. I'm going to take him out. And he does. And we remember his friendship with Jonathan and Saul, uh, Jonathan's dad and how Saul chased him around and tried to kill him. And then he was running for his life, hiding in the woods with a bunch of discontents, the scripture says. And he finally becomes a king. And he wants to build a temple. Remember the building the temple? And gets hung up on a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, right? And he gets himself in trouble, makes some really bad decisions. And then he offers grace to Phoebe. Remember that? Mephibosheth. And we look at, last week we looked at his dysfunctional family and how we look at his whole life story, this journey, and we have to ask ourselves this question, does my journey mimic that in any way, right? I'd be willing to bet that each one of us have those victories, those high mountain victories where, where we look pretty good, right? We've done pretty good. Things are... They're like, yeah, good job, me, right? And then there's some utter failures where we regret. And we're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I can't change it. But we have, those, we have those up and down moments. But then we have to ask ourselves this question. What does God see as my life? What does God see as my legacy? What am I leaving for those who will follow after me? Right, because right now we're building that legacy. We're building um, this this work, uh, overall work of our life. And David's at that point where he's done, and he knows he's done, and so he's calling out to God, and God is giving him the best parts of this journey. And I want to share those with you because I want to encourage you as you're walking this trail, and some of you guys are young, so you got a lot of trail in front of you, a lot of journey, right? God, that's, that's our hope, that God blesses your life with a long life and a long journey. So we have lots of time to make those changes. And for some of us, we got less time, but we still have time as we're breathing, right? You're all breathing, right? 
So we have, we have breath in our, our lungs, and we have the ability to make changes. And I want to encourage you uh, to, to challenge you, no matter what your past looks like. Right? I think a lot of times people come into church, or they, I, have, I have lots of people who tell me, I cannot walk into your church, because if I do, the walls will fall in on me. And I tell them, you know what, I walk in there every week, and they haven't fallen on me yet. Right? And I always, I always, the always second half is, you can sit in my pew. Right? <laughs> right? You can sit with me. If the, wall, the roof falls in on us, well, then I guess we both got squashed. Right? Point is this. We all have those things in our life we don't like. We all have those things in our life that we would call a mistake. We all have those failures, moral failures in our life. All those things that maybe, we also have the victories. We look at David's life. He had some great victories and some awful failures. And what he says is maybe a bit hard for you to take in light of all that. But I want to I challenge you and encourage you to, that David says that obedience to God is a blessing. That obedience to God is a blessing. He said, the God of Israel spoke, and the rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness, he rules in the fear of God. David understood that although he had his ups and downs, his heart was pointing towards God. His heart was pointed towards obedience. He had the right perspective in mind. Did he always do the right thing? Absolutely not. But he had the right perspective. He wanted to be obedient to God. Even in those moments uh, when we, we read about Bathsheba, and we didn't read all of that piece, but we get a sense in, in Psalm 51, once, he, once Nathan showed him his, the error of his ways and reminded him that this was not okay, he recognized very quickly that he needed to make a change, that he had failed. And so we look at obedience, and I'll ask you the question, are you obedient to God when he's, uh, because that's the blessing in our life. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I want to I clear that up. I think sometimes we come in, people come in, and it's like the health and wealth gospel, right? If, you're, if you just follow God, you will be loaded, and you'll be healthy, and you won't have any problems. Well, that's we know is really not true, right? Because if you don't, it doesn't take very long to read God's word, like a guy like Jeremiah, right? Um, uh, Jeremiah, the, you know, they call him the weeping prophet for a reason. And you read some of Lamentations and you get a real sense that Jeremiah was like, this stinks, <laughs> right? And that's just, real, that's just real life. And so we understand that, that, that following God or being obedient to him isn't, isn't the recipe for a perfect life, not at all. It's the recipe for a fulfilled life and uh, an eternal walk with God. Right? That's, that's the goal. So I don't want to sell you something that's not, that's not fair or right or even true. It's, obedience isn't going to be the perfect life. Obedience is going to be the blessing of getting through this life and spending eternity with God himself. You may, I'm sure, I, I, didn't, I should have had Mark sing it, but I didn't think about that until it was too late. There's a great 
parable in Matthew 7. It talks about the wise man and, and the, the foolish man, right? And he says, a, Jesus tells a parable about where do you plant your house? Where, where is your house? And he says, the wise man plants his house, builds his house on the rock. Play on words? Absolutely, right? He builds his house on the rock where the rain and the storms and the problems won't wash it away. Think about this for a moment. If you were to build a nice house out on Freeport Beach, let's just say we're just going to pretend for a second that, that you got Freeport Beach given to you and you build it right on the, on the edge in the sand, how long will it last? You can't, you can't dig far enough down to get to something that's going to be, you know, it's going to take a long time to get to the rock. Right? We build it on sand, and what happens? It's trashed, right? It's gone. It will not, it won't hold up. And so we have to ask ourselves this question, where are we building our foundation? Is your foundation on um, being good enough? Is your foundation on being uh, nice enough? Or is your foundation on God? Are, are you putting your faith in the one true God? I will tell you that sometimes there are those moments when it's challenging. There's, there's those moments when we're like, well, I know what I feel like doing, and I know what God's calling me to do, and we, we have those decisions to make. right? But we recognize this, that we don't always feel the right thing. And we have to be careful that our feelings don't get in front of uh, God and his, his work, His truth. See, because sometimes obedience feels like really scary. Anybody ever been scared to be obedient? Like, that, it's terrifying, right? When I, got, when I was called to the ministry, that was, it was terrifying. Now I look back and I was like, gee, probably should have done it 10 years earlier, right? But, but in that moment, it's terrifying to know that God is calling you to this and just wondering how you're going to make the next step. How am I going to step the next step, God? Right? One foot in front of the other. And there are moments when it feels like, God, I think you're taking me down the wrong road. I think, God, I'm not sure you know what you're doing. Right? We, don't, we wouldn't say that. But we feel that. Right? Anybody ever want to give up? Anybody ever had enough? When I, when I got, when I didn't go to the seminary the second time, I said I was either, I must have been too stupid or too stubborn to quit because I, I was broken. I used to, uh, I used to put, the, this was in my, uh, this was on my uh, locker at work and I, for 20, 23 years, I actually colored it just like this. this. That's not mine, but it's just like, I think I left it there for the next guy, but yeah, <laughs> I think I'm the frog. <laughs> Feeling like, the, right? I, I put this up there and I left it up there and every day I would open my locker as I went to work. Every day before I left, I'd close my locker. That was the first and the last thing I'd always saw. And I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I felt like giving up, like it wasn't worth it. And, and, and if we're honest in our faith, sometimes it feels like we want to give up. That we've been obedient, 
for no good reason. Sometimes it feels that way. But that's not true. That's not true. God's plan is bigger, way bigger than ours. Let me encourage you, be obedient to God. Be a blessing to those around you. Your life will be blessed if you're obedient to God. And you know what? There may not be another soul on this earth who understands what you're walking through. There may not be another soul on this earth who can relate to the very details of your life. Be obedient. Second thing he says is that grace is bigger than sin. Grace is bigger than sin. David had lots of sin in his life. Verse 5, it says, Is not my house right with God? A part of me is like, well, depends when you wrote it, right? Because that's what I think. I think, well, sometimes, David, your house was right with God. Sometimes it wasn't. And I had to, as I worked through that idea, I thought, well, maybe, because when I think about my own, I think, sometimes my life is right with God, and sometimes I screw it up. But then I realized God looks at it a little differently than I look at it. I want to look at it as a scale, right? I want to, like, I did three good things. Good job. I did four bad things, right? And we do the scale thing. And God looks at it through the blood of Jesus, right? And that's the grace we're given. So I don't care what your life has looked like. I don't care what you have done in the past. Paul The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote the most books in the New Testament, most prolific. His job before he came to Christ was to take out the people of the way, Christians. He would go and get permission. He stood there and held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. He was a murderer, or at least an accomplice to murder. He was not perfect. And you and I are not perfect. And if you think you are, that's your first mistake. Paul says, listen, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I don't care what your sin looks like. And I'm sorry if people have come to you as Christians and pointed their finger at you. It's wrong. I always say, give God lots of space. Give God lots of space to work in people's lives. Right? For whether it was sin, grace was bigger than sin. I just saw a sticker last week. It had grace in big letters and a line and sin underneath and smaller. It was like grace over sin. If you're a mathematician, you probably like that equation piece, right? Here's the point. I don't care what the sin is come to Christ, and he will deal with those things. Why? Because of his great love for us. He is rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Even when we were dead in our sin, 
It was grace. Through what, that's why we were saved. Right? His grace is bigger than your sin. Your sin can't be bigger than God's grace through the blood of Jesus. And I want to I share this last piece because I think it's really the most important piece. That there's a distinct line. David says, listen, there are these people, and then they, these people of Belial, which is the worthless people. Right? There are evil men, and they are cast aside like thorns. David couldn't just talk in normal talk. He was always artsy. Did you notice that? He has to draw you this mental picture. All these worthless people were, were thorns, and we put them in a pile, and we burn them. Right? He has to show that in our brains. A pile of thorns. There was a line. A very distinct line drawn. David said, there are those who follow Jesus. There are those who are chasing after God. And then there are those who are worthless. Those who will be burned. And that's what he says. At this, There's a very distinct line. And see, I think in the world we live, <coughs> we, want a, we want a nice squiggly cloudy line. We want it to be blurred, right? We like blurred lines better. We're like, well, if you just give enough, if you put enough in the offering plate, you'll probably get to heaven, right? Right? Oh, look, it's empty. If you do enough good, you'll probably get to heaven. Scripture is very clear. It's very plain. That grace that God gives... He gives that to people who call on him. He gives that to those who want to follow Jesus. And I know it may sound a bit harsh, but there is a very distinct line drawn. Either you are following Jesus, and he is the Lord of your life, or you're following yourself, and you're trying to be the Lord of your life. And the scriptures are really plain. You're either on one side or you're on the other. It's not about your social demographic. It's not about how many kids you have or how big your house is or how cool your car is. Although I like cool cars. It's not about where you work or who you hang out with. It's none of those things. It's you're either following Jesus or you're following yourself. And just so you know, we start over here. Right? We, we like to make fun of little kids, but it's so true. I always jokingly say, put a two-year-old in and give him ten toys and then give him another friend and see how many toys he shares. None. Right? He's, right? He, he don't want to share any toys. Because we're selfish. We are born selfish. We're born to ourself. We want what we want. And then we grow up and we find better ways to be selfish under the radar. Right? Because we wouldn't want anybody. I'm, I'm selfish with my time. Right? I, and, and, I, and I know that. Sometimes we're selfish with our finances. Sometimes we're selfish um, with any energy. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We're selfish people by nature. Sin nature. 
And so we're reminded that we're either on one side or the other. And the line is a, a, is a, is a, is a direct line in the sand. In Galatians, Paul reminds us, you are no longer a slave. You're God's child if you ask him into your heart. And since you are his child, he has made you an heir. What does it mean to be an heir? Is that a, that's not hair. That's an heir. What does it mean to be an heir? Anybody uh, have royalty in their family? Brian, you have royalty in your family? Oh, okay. Oh. That's right. He would get the inheritance, huh? All the money be loaded. Or the kingship, right? This scripture tells us, reminds us, that if we're a child of God, we are heirs to the throne. That's better than being a slave who gets put out at the end of the day. The heir has special uh, privileges, gets to hang out at home, uh, have dinner in the, in the palace, right? Has a life that is, is protected and, and gets a lot of the same things they're their father or their, the king, whoever it is they are heir to, has. Remember the line, right? So, so here's the final question, which is probably the most challenging piece. I think all too often our life looks like a jail, a jail cell and the door is wide open. And there's freedom to be had. Right? There's freedom to be had in Christ. Not because everything is perfect. Not because everything is better. Not because uh, we're not going to have any problems. But because we know the hope. Liz was talking about the hope we have this morning. Right? That's the hope. That no matter what happens, no matter how good or bad life is, no matter... Uh, the circumstances that we're, we're put into or we get ourselves into, that we have a hope. And that hope doesn't end here. It doesn't end with our last breath. Our hope is in eternity. A life of lived with God himself. And I don't know about you, but that frees me. It frees me to realize that money in my pocket doesn't really matter at the end of the day. A nice car at the end of the day doesn't really matter. All those things that the world says I need doesn't really matter. Because all those things will pass away. All those things will burn And here's the hard part. You got to give up one thing. You got to give up your will, your desire. You have to give up uh, that, that selfish peace and let God be in charge. Let Jesus take the wheel, right? That, that, that's the hard part. We're not really good at sitting in the passenger seat. We might say we're good at it, but boy, when we're put to the test, it's a whole lot harder. 
And it swings right back up to the first point. That's where we learn obedience so that we can give God the wheel of our life. But you have to make a decision. My sense is this. In our selfishness, in our, in our birth, in our life, and the sin that we are in, we're stuck in a jail cell, but the door's wide open. And, and you can leave that, that, that cell anytime you want and follow Jesus. But, but here's the hard part. you got to give up something, a little bit of that pride, a little bit of that selfishness. you got to be able to say, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't find anything that makes me enough. And I don't want to be not enough. Let me challenge you this morning. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, if you haven't had an experience and met him and followed after him, and, and goodness, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave this sanctuary because it might be a little bit embarrassing to come in front and pray. Don't leave for that reason. Don't walk out this door because someone might know who I am. Someone might know what I'm about. If you need to take something to God, take it to him this morning. If you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, come, I'd love to pray with you this morning. It would make my day. I don't stand up here for something to do. I stand up here because I'm called to share the gospel. And I want to share that gospel with you. But you got to be willing. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, we thank you for David's life. It's definitely not perfect, but he followed after you. And Lord, so, and in that way, was a, was an example that we could follow. Lord, I, I thank you for his love of you, his care and desire to serve you. Lord, may we follow in his footsteps in that way. May we be people who follow after your heart. In your name we pray. Amen.